and welcome to the fourth episode of Biology Beyond the Microscope. My name is Katherine Gamewell. If you don't know already, this is a series where you will hear from different professors who will share their experiences and discuss what inspired them to pursue research. Today we are talking with Dr. Terry Gates. Dr. Gates is a teaching assistant professor in the Department of Biological Sciences here at NC State University. He earned his bachelor's in marine, earth, and atmospheric sciences at NC State, his master's in paleontology at the University of Utah, and his PhD in paleontology also at the University of Utah. He researches dinosaurs, ancient sharks, and effective ways to bring citizen science in the university classroom. Thank you for joining me today. Hey, thanks for having me. <laughs> All right, so we'll jump right in with the first question. What led you to want to become a professor? Well, whenever you study dinosaurs, there are very few paths that you can go <laughs> into. Uh, one of those is going to be a museum curator, and the other one typically is a university professor. And whenever we went to apply for jobs, you know, me and my grad student cohort, we were applying to both places. And it just turns out that I ended up in a university, uh, but now I, I really love it. Absolutely, yeah. So what was the research topic that you first became interested in? Wow, you know, I've always been really interested in science. Uh, I never knew how to do science, but I was always very interested in it. Um, let me see. I guess my first little foray into paleontology, you know, aside from having books read to me by my mom, was a, a big project I did in high school. I went to the School of Science and Math uh, over in Durham, and every year there's this one week where we get to do a research project. So during my first year there, I, I did a paleontology project. So uh, during this week, I ended up going to a little town out in eastern North Carolina called Aurora. One of the professors took me out there. I collected some fossils from this dig pit that is still there. Wow. Yeah, so these are about 15 to 17 million year old fossils. And it was just super cool. So then I came back, but I didn't just look at them. You know, I didn't just keep them. I started sorting the teeth all into the different ecotypes, so the, the different shapes of the teeth that I thought they would be used for for eating. So it wasn't really a research topic, you know, it wasn't really a research project <laughs> per se, uh, but it was my first little try at, at applying ecology to yeah. ancient organisms. Yeah. So yeah, then I did that, and uh, eventually I ended up going to graduate school, and that was my first real science project. And on that project, I was investigating a dinosaur quarry in central Utah. And this quarry is really weird for having 45, no wait, now we've discovered 48, uh, large carnivorous dinosaurs called Allosaurus. Wow. Yeah, it's the largest concentration of this dinosaur in the world. And people have tried to figure out since the 1920s why all these dinosaurs are there. So I took my hand at that. Yeah. And any conclusive evidence or? For me, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think that these dinosaurs are there because of a drought event. Well, several drought events back in the Jurassic period. During this time, the, the uh, climate was really dry out in, uh, out in Utah, just like it is today. Mm -hmm. So you'd have meandering rivers, but the ground would be really flat. And so what I think happened is you would have these floods you know, during, during this rainy season. You would get a pond. Animals would gather around the pond as the climate dried. And eventually you'd see what you see in Africa today or even around Australia, around billabongs, animals just congregating. And we just happen to have this really weird event in probably one year 
where you had all these allosaurs gathering around a pond and they just happened to be preserved. Wow. That's my interpretation. Yeah, yeah. Well, aren't we lucky to have that? <laughs> <laughs> um, so what does your current research entail then? Well, my current research is quite varied. Yeah, so on the one hand, we have scientific research that I'm doing, which consists of looking at duckbilled dinosaurs and the way the duckbilled dinosaurs are related to one another, but also looking at the way that their head ornamentation, like they have various crests on top of their heads, might have been used for communication, used for physiology, or used for sexual selection. So hmm. the ways in which their evolutionary trajectory changed because they have ornamental features on their heads. Yeah. Uh, I also look at the evolutionary patterns of uh, sexual selective traits across varying organisms and looking at the different models of evolution. So did it proceed in more of a random direction, really rapid than slowing down? Or do we see that there's like an ideal form of uh, sexual ornament? And so I kind of look at those types of patterns. In regards to citizen science, it is an extremely young field. Mm -hmm. And so very, very basic research is happening right now. And basically, we don't know how to implement this well in higher education. I spent a postdoc time, so two years, working on this for middle school classrooms. And now I'm just trying to apply it to uh, higher education. But it's a very different audience. Yeah, for sure. In many ways, teaching middle school kids is exactly the same as teaching college kids. <laughs> Uh, but in a lot of ways, it's also very different because you can engage them in different ways. You can give them more autonomy. Mm -hmm. And we don't really know how to do citizen science effectively. Um, there's also the other side that university students have a direction. They're going to school not to just learn whatever we teach them, but they have a goal to graduate with a certain major. Mm -hmm. And if you put citizen science into a certain environment that students necessarily don't want to be in, but they have to be in, that's keeping them away from their graduating goal or keeping them away from their major, then perhaps their perception of it might not be as positive as it would be in other situations. So really trying to figure out this dynamic is, it's hard. Yeah, it uh, But something that needs to be done because I really feel that citizen science is an important thing to put in because it's real science. It's not just a throwaway assignment that people can do. Mm -hmm. uh, and I just... I feel like it makes a real contribution to the world and helping university students see that you can do stuff while learning and still making contribution to the world is important. Mm, definitely, definitely. Uh, so quick plug, the uh, Citizen Science Club is, we have one here at State, so if you're interested in doing more of citizen science, then please look the club up on the NCSU Club website. It sounds like it would be very interesting. All right, so we're going to move on now to our next question. Uh, what does a day in your job look like at NC State? My day varies a lot. So I'm a teaching assistant professor, which means that I have a large proportion of my time spent teaching. So I will spend hours a day writing emails to students. And, uh, you know, it's good and bad. Mm -hmm. it's, it's good in that they are communicating with me, which is something that I've always wanted. You gotta have an open relationship in the classroom and just have that comfort that students can approach you. And so in that aspect, I like. So aside from sending emails to students, aside from teaching in the classroom, I have to prepare for class and that takes time. 
and I don't just settle in for what I did last semester. Uh, much to the chagrin of my colleagues, uh, I change all the time. You know, most of my colleagues change all the time, but I end up complaining about how much time I spend changing my <laughs> classes because I'm never happy with them. Uh, they will go well, but I'm like, there's got to be a better way. So I try and rearrange. I take a very scientific approach to this. Mm -hmm. So I spend a lot of my time doing that. I mentor undergraduate students in research. That takes up a lot of time. I don't have any graduate students at the moment. And in any small time I have left at work, then I try and do my own research or write grants. Yeah. Yeah. So it sounds like you are very, very busy. Yeah, I'm very, very busy all the time. <laughs> All right, so moving on to our next question. Which direction would you advise NC State students to take when looking for research topics? Well, there are online sources that you can go to, and a lot of times professors put on their website or in these other online um, uh, resources topics in which they're interested in, in which they can have undergraduate help. But I think, first of all, what an undergrad needs to do is to figure out what they are interested in. I know that some people might not know, oh, I like this and I like that, but you, you kind of know, oh, I like genetics more than ecology, and that's a great start. Uh, the other thing to consider is that many topics in biology are very multidisciplinary. So, for instance, toxicology. Toxicology, you can study genetics. You can also study environmental conservation. You can also study ecology. All of those things are wrapped up into one. Uh, paleontology is another one where you can study many different aspects from uh, morphology, so the shapes of fossils mm -hmm. and, and the shapes of ancient animals, down to ecology. So think narrowly, but also think broadly and understand that just because you're not interested in poisonous compounds in the environment doesn't mean that toxicology doesn't have something you want or maybe genetics doesn't have something you want in terms of evolutionary theory or something. Yeah, very, very good advice. So as we come to a close, do you have any extra advice or any words of wisdom for aspiring biological scientists? Yeah, definitely. So my first piece of advice is going to go along with what we just talked about, and that is to think multidisciplinarily. Because science is not just science. Science is public policy. Science is our evolutionary history. Science is all around us, and the biological sciences is who we are. So anytime that you see something in, in the world that consists of humans, it consists of us and our biology. So take history classes and enjoy them and learn from them. Enjoy your math classes because you're going to be using those. And even PE classes, take those too because they're there for a reason. Understand that everything that you're, that you're taking has a reflection on humans and our biology, and you can study it and think about it from those perspectives. No class is a throwaway class. That's my big advice. Well, that's very, very good advice. Thank you so much. Thank you for your time. I'm sure everyone who's listening has learned a lot, and I hope you have a great day. Hey, thank you so much. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening, and I hope you'll join me next time when I'll be speaking with Dr. Gerald LeBlanc in the Department of Biological Sciences. Stay curious!